A young couple from a small village in the Himalayas came to a community development training we were leading. For over two days, they walked, hitchhiked, and rode crowded buses to the campus where we were training. The village where the couple live is very impoverished and they have little to eat. It's normal to have one small meal a day. They pastor a small home church and the believers in the community share their produce and a few basics they have with the couple. Christian church services are illegal in the region and pastors are often imprisoned and persecuted if the government discovers they are leading people to Christ. They were looking forward to starting a family, but during her pregnancy she had very little to eat and no prenatal health care. The baby was born prematurely and struggled to survive. Finally, at five months old, the baby died. It was a devastating time for them. They were heartbroken and in poor health, but they knew God had called them to the community to shepherd the people there. A few weeks after the death of the baby, they gathered a few belongings together and made that two-day journey to the training. They were determined to learn ways to help their community flourish. Their prayer was that families and couples never have to suffer the loss they experienced because of lack of food and proper health care. It was only at the end of the training they shared their testimony with us. Their story has been a powerful motivation for us to implement effective training in community health and specifically in prenatal and postnatal care for mothers and babies. Compassion Link Family Health Training includes a startup medical kit with a training doll to practice infant resuscitation, CPR, Heimlich and other life-saving techniques, costing about $200 to compile. The combination of training, emergency kits and prayer position communities to better care for their infants and small children while also inspiring hope for a better future. The first aid training also enables pastors, churches and believers to compassionately care for the health needs of their community while sharing the good news of Jesus. This little message from Heather, uh, I, I, does anybody recognize that southern accent? Yeah, yeah she's, uh, she's from South Africa. I told my mom and dad one day when it was uh, Easter break, we were in college down at Vanguard, and I called up my mom and dad. I said, I'm going to bring my girlfriend home for Easter break. Uh, I want you to meet her. She's from Africa. And, of course, my mom and dad were from the Sand Hills in Nebraska, you know, and they didn't know. They, they just had all kinds of things ran through their minds, you know. And then I went on and told them that she was a missionary kid and stuff like that. So, uh, so our story is now for uh, about 44 years, uh, the two become one. I was raised on a cattle ranch in Nebraska. She's South African, so that makes us a Nebraskan. That's, <laughs> that's how we figure it. So, anyway, been an amazing journey, and... Uh, that little video, I want to just give a, uh, he, won't, he won't hear it, but I'll let him know. 
Uh, we have a son, our, our middle son is a, uh, an editor in Hollywood, does incredibly well there with a, a lot of reality TV stuff that's very good, uh, National Geographic and uh, you name it, he's, he's had all kinds of amazing work and uh, he put that video together for us, so that's a lot better quality than most of us missionaries can afford. Uh, so <laughs> that's the only way I can do it anyway, I know that. Uh, so Heather and I have been married for about uh, almost 44 years, and uh, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, we have been, thank you, she's my first wife. Uh, we, have, uh, we, have three, we have three sons, uh, and if I can just tell you, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, missionaries, pastors, all of us, sometimes I think people can get a... Uh, you know, you can get a, a, a vision or a, you know, kind of an imagination of what, uh, what these people are, and um, uh, sometimes it gets probably better than what we really are, and, uh, you know, but we're just, we're just real people. Uh, I mean, I don't know how God could pick a, a little dumb country hick kid that came out of the Sand Hills in Nebraska. I was raised in a country school where, uh, I mean, the whole schoolhouse wasn't as big as this sanctuary. Uh, I had the I was the only kid in my grade for eight years. I graduated valedictorian, and uh, my grades weren't very good, but I was still the best in the class, you know. And uh, I, you know, I, I just I remember sitting on a haystack, you know, this back in the old days before we didn't even have a baler. I mean, it was a cattle ranch. We had to stack hay every summer, and I remember one fall sitting up on a haystack looking as far as I could see, which is about four miles. There wasn't anything else out there, not another house or anything. And I thought to the Lord, I was probably 10 years old, I thought, God, there has got to be more to life than this. And it was just something the Lord stirred in me, and, you know, and that was kind of the beginnings, I think, of a, uh, of a direction that God was going to take my life. And I had no idea at that time. I was so ignorant of the world around me. Uh, my wife was born and raised in South Africa. I didn't even know what South Africa meant. I, I had no clue, you know. Uh, we'd have missionaries. I have, there were two elderly ladies, single, single lady missionaries, that had worked together for years that uh, were from Nebraska, as that was their home district. And those ladies would come, I remember at least a couple of times while I was a kid, they'd come to our little Assembly of God church up there in Nebraska, Ainsworth. I don't know, anybody know, anybody know where Ainsworth, Nebraska is? I mean, it's, it's so far out in the sticks. First time I got on a plane, went to South Africa, I was going to, to civilization, you know. And uh, these ladies had come, and they'd put out the big snake skin across the platform and, and put up all kinds of scary, weird stuff, you know. And so my mom started praying, oh, dear Jesus, please don't let my sister and me, her name's Vicky, please don't let Vicky and Dwight ever have to be missionaries in Africa, you know. And so she was scared. I mean, she thought, you know, these giant snakes are just going to eat us. They'd get there and we'd, you know. And so anyway, that was, it, it scared her. But, you know, God knew what was best for us, right? And... Um, so we have been missionaries in Southern Africa since 1984, uh, up until about 10 years ago, and at that point, uh, God redirected our pathways. My sister, who's uh, 10 months and three weeks older than me, uh, her and her husband were missionaries in Africa and just retired a few months ago as well. So, uh, uh, you know, God knew what he was doing. My mom was eventually okay with it, but, um, you know, and that is maybe a, just an important little message for us as parents. Anybody, parents, concerned about your kids? And I know I am. And um, God loves them more than we do. Yeah. His plan for them is better than ours. Yeah. And his word is alive. Yeah. If you have helped put God's word 
into them, into your kids or other people's kids through your children's church or things like that, that word is alive. That means no matter what they're doing, no matter what rebellion they might get into, it stays in there. It continues to live on. It's more powerful than anything that they could ever possibly subject themselves to. I know this from personal experience. I went through a rebellious period in my life, and there was nothing I could do. There was no amount of drugs or drink that I could ever possibly do that would stop that echo of Scripture, of God's Word, of preaching, of Sunday school classes, of my mom praying for us. I couldn't get that out of my mind. It was so irritating. Praise God. It was so irritating. But you know what you come back to when eventually it's time and you finally say, I can't do it anymore. I'm tired of this. All of that is there and you know exactly where to go. So keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep believing God. Keep believing for your families. Keep sowing in the lives of these kids here. I love this. When I see these children that are in here, and they're going back to Children's Church. I love that because that is putting that living word into their hearts and their lives. Amen. Amen. Don't ever underestimate the power of that. Amen. That's not really my message for you today, but it's pretty real in my life and pretty, you know, in my heart. Our youngest son, um, and I'm, I won't go into all of this stuff trying to explain it, but uh, he struggled. He was a kid that, uh, he, was, he was an amazing incredibly talented kid that uh, was so so gifted in so many ways amazing athlete uh, everything that he ever did you know and again of course in southern Africa kids have opportunities uh, I think it's kind of different than here just through their schools and stuff he uh, uh, he was a runner he was a cross-country runner and then and and went to the top went to national championships won everything I mean every time he ran he just he won I don't know he was just so gifted it was so amazing and then he got into swimming, and the same thing happened with that. Uh, turned out, as he got bigger, uh, he was almost identical dimensions to Michael Phelps, uh, you know, an Olympic swimmer. And, and he swam like that, went to national championships in that, won everything. And uh, then he was a, a national in South Africa, was a champion surfer and uh, rugby player, went to national championships in rugby, you know. Uh, I mean, just one thing after another, so incredibly successful like that. And yet he struggled with, uh, with identity. He struggled with several things emotionally. And uh, we tried to, for one thing, he compared himself to his brothers. And uh, he had two older brothers that were both, uh, you know, just top of their class, very intellectual. Tyler struggled with some, with some learning disabilities. He, he, the way he would see stuff, he would, he would look at the same thing that we would look at. And it just didn't, it didn't come in the same way for some reason. And he struggled with it academically. He, was, he wasn't... You know, he just, once he could figure it out, he would understand, and he was fine, but he just struggled with things like that and comparing himself and stuff. And, and living, he was a, he had citizenship in three countries, didn't know where home was. Uh, it was just, it's just a bunch of stuff, you know. Uh, he got in with the wrong crowd when we were in, uh, in Southern California, one furlough, just as he was in high school, uh, later part of high school and uh, got into drugs. These guys, these kids down there had money. They were incredibly wealthy families, kids with cars and um, access to anything that they wanted, drugs, alcohol, and everything else. And he got in with this crowd and uh, 
and it began a, uh, a period of about 10 years of addiction for him. We couldn't fix it. You'd like to think that everything that, uh, you know, I mean, all of our history, our background, uh, you know, being missionaries in Africa and all over the world, uh, surely, surely you'd fix that, you know, we could. And uh, incredibly, uh, about three years ago now, uh, he had, he really had come back to the Lord and just, it was just the transformation was just so incredible. And uh, we just, we had opportunities to pray with him and talk to him, spend time with him. And, um, and then he went back over to Boulder, Colorado uh, to, he was going to, he was going to do some work. We tried to talk him out of it. Uh, he had an opportunity there to, uh, to work and to pick up a job that he wanted to do. And um, uh, he got back, one of, the, one of his old buddies uh, came back into his life and this guy was so controlling. Uh, bottom line was, um, this guy did a, uh, uh, injected him and uh, with a lethal, and so we lost him two and a half years ago. And yet, at the same time, uh, somehow uh, the Lord just began to speak into our lives that he had rescued him. And it's so hard to understand, and it has, uh, it, it, it messes with our theology sometimes. You know, we like to have everything real nice and black and white and all squared away in its little boxes and all this kind of thing. And uh, yet I know that God cared for Tyler. There's a, there's a song by uh, Casting Crowns called Scars in Heaven. Uh, it probably speaks about as clearly to that whole story as, as I ever could. But uh, I just, I don't know why, I just felt like I needed to share that with you. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. You know, I'd like to be, uh, I'd, I'd like to be this, you know, spiritual giant stand before you today and just tell you how everything had been perfect and, you know, uh, because we're who we are, then, uh, you know, we haven't had any problems or issues or family's been perfect. Not the case. But then when I think about it, I still have not yet met those people. Right? I haven't met him yet. I began to realize that we all go through stuff. I've yet to meet the perfect family. I met some pretty good ones. That I just, uh, I just, I, we, we have to have the Lord in our lives. He's, he's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for our life. He cares about every part of our lives. We're not, none of us are just one thing. We're just your pastor, a missionary, or whatever other title we want to put on it. We're a whole package of everything that our lives have been made up of from, that, from, from throughout all of our years up until now. We're, we're all of this stuff. Yeah. And God cares about every part of it. Yeah. 
That's what I know. We have, uh, we, were, we were missionaries in Southern Africa for about 26 years. Uh, Heather and I pioneered the Assembly of God work in the country of Namibia before it was even a country. It was still a part of province of South Africa. It's up on the northwest uh, coast of South Africa. It's a country that's twice as big as California. If you could sandwich California together side by side, uh, it would be almost identical in size in terms of north to south and east to west. Only has about two and a half million people. Desert country. It's really out kind of in the sticks. Nobody really, you don't go through Namibia on your way to something else. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, I'm serious, it's kind of the end of the world. Uh, and uh, God put us there amazingly. Uh, we were, I, was, I was 29 years old, fully appointed missionary with a wife and two little boys. And uh, we went there. We had no other co-workers. We didn't have a national church we were coming to be a part of. Everything was a startup. It was all brand new. And uh, it was a country that was steeped in some old traditional religions, uh, Dutch reform, some of the Catholic, uh, German Lutheran, some stuff like that. There really had not ever been a Pentecostal uh, church or a work in that country. And so uh, everything was new. It was all just very, very new early beginnings. Uh, and yet God saw us through that. We had uh, several really, really hard, difficult years getting started. Uh, it seemed like everything we'd, you know, make a couple of inches uh, of progress and then get thrown back. And just, just different stuff happened. It was hard. It was challenging. And yet we continued to watch the Lord do miracles. And, um, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to tell you stories about it for hours here. But uh, one of the things that did happen is the Lord... Uh, has and always in, in our lives, for some reason, uh, God has given us a, a ministry and opportunities among young people. And we started doing uh, a, a real simple little Friday night uh, worship service just for our youth. And there they, they do all their sports activities, and high school kids and stuff do their sports activities on Saturdays. So Friday nights were always a great time. They would be up to who knows what if they didn't do that. Our church in the capital city of Namibia in Vintook geographically was dead center in the middle of the city and it was within two miles of five high schools and in that country because it's so sparsely populated the high schools uh, the high school kids would come into the capital city from all over the country from uh, several hundred miles away they would come in for high school there they didn't I mean there were there were two other high schools outside the capital city in a country that big and so most of the high school age kids in that country of Namibia would come to the capital city and we had five of them within two miles of our church. And they were, I mean, geographically, they were located uh, almost in a perfect circle uh, w within that radius. And so we started doing this kind of youth-focused Friday night worship. And it began to grow. And pretty soon we had our, our university age, our college students. We had about uh, eight or ten college-age students. We assigned them to go out in pairs. And they started making disciples in those high school dormitories, these big hostels. Some of them had, those high schools had 1,000, 1,200 kids in their hostels and their dormitories. And we would have workers out there every day in those high schools. They were reaching them. The high schools started busing their kids to us on Friday nights. We had an adult congregation that was coming into church. It was around 150, 200 people. But Friday nights, it wasn't unusual to have well over 300 to 400 kids sometimes come in. I mean, we didn't have a big sanctuary. We, uh, they would just squeeze in there. And, uh, and it was amazing. Kids coming in from all these different schools. 
And God did an amazing thing with those kids. We started commissioning them, started uh, uh, giving them the idea that they were the messengers of hope and of peace and of love and, 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 and of God's message back into their own community. So when they would go home, it was the weirdest thing. We'd have, we could have 400 kids on a Friday night right up until the school break happened, like during Christmas break or something. And then that next Friday night, there'd be like four, you know. Uh, so it was, it, it, was, it was quite an interesting ministry, but those, those kids would go back into their communities and uh, they would share the Lord. And uh, they would, we used a, a thing called International Correspondence Institute. It's now called Global University, but it was a real simple correspondence program. We'd load them up with those, those little brochures and these tracks and some said, give these, to your, give these to your friends, give them to your family. And it was all things like great questions of life. It was all just real basic evangelism stuff. And we started getting this mail start coming in from all over the country, people we didn't know. And it was because these, these high school kids had been out evangelizing and sharing the gospel in their neighborhoods. Those kids now today, uh, they're all adults and they're grown up and they've scattered all over the world. But uh, they're teachers, they're pastors, they are leaders in the nation. One of them in particular that uh, eventually became one of our key leaders uh, leads the entire banking industry for the whole nation. And uh, there's just all kinds of cool stuff has happened there. But, you know, again, coming back to my original story, even about my own son, God knows. He, he, he knew these kids. These, so many of these kids were from these incredibly insignificant backwoods places that you can't even imagine. And, uh, and yet God had plans for their lives and designs for their lives. And he cared about every part of them. And so I'm just so thankful we had opportunities to, uh, to be able to, uh, to impact lives like that. God's given us an amazing journey. But let me tell you a little bit about where we're at now. It was through all of those years with the AIDS pandemic, the disease, the poverty, uh, the meltdown kind of in, in culture. You know, African traditional society had been always of extended family. Uh, the, the, the story there is it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, because that was the approach. Everybody, you know, we'd, I'd have a Bible, I remember a Bible school student. This guy came to me one day, uh, and, and so, you know, we're going, the church is going, we had a Bible school going, uh, and this guy comes, uh, we called him Fordyce, and uh, it wasn't really his real name, but that was his nickname. So Fordyce comes, and he's got big tears, you know, and he's going to miss class today. He goes, oh, pastor, he goes, I have to, I've got to go home, and he lived way out in the far, far north part of the country. It was about a 10, 12-hour uh, bus ride out to where he lived. I have to go home. My mother died. Oh, my goodness, man, I'm so sorry. You know, you embrace him, you pray for him, give him a little bit of money so he can get on the bus and get home for his mother's funeral. Guy comes back to me about three months later. Oh, pastor, my mother died. I said, yes, I know. He goes, no, no, it's my other mother. And, and this happened four times. <laughs> Same guy. Four times his mother died. And I thought it was a joke. I mean, I thought he was just trying to, you know, get us to give him a little bit of money and some time off of class. It wasn't. It was true. Because it, it was all of this extended family, you know. They were these aunties and, and all of these different people that were a part of raising him and giving him a life as this good African kid. And, uh, and so when his mothers died, you know, like, like four of them within a period of just over a year, uh, it was a huge traumatic thing in his life. But that was the way, that's the way society is here. And the reason I tell you these things, because... God cares so much for every part of our lives. Amen. We went through all of this stuff with AIDS, with disease, with the poverty, with this disruption of the family uh, uh, society and all of those kinds of things. 
And we, th we thought for years, we thought, Lord, how can we possibly deal with this? We were never prepared for this. We were never, you know, there was no, we, uh, Heather and I went to, to Vanguard University down in Southern California, and they, we never had a class on what to do with social disasters. They didn't teach that. Nobody taught, I mean, we tried to get our theology right, tried to help make better preachers, you know, and, and a few things like that. I took a bunch of, our missions major included a year of science, learning about parasites and stuff like that. And we thought we had all that stuff squared away and then we'd be all right. But we never had anything that prepared us for something like the disaster that AIDS uh, brought about on, on, in this nation. The first case was reported in April of 1985, first case of AIDS in the country of Namibia. We went from that, from one case to an uh, infection across the entire population of 40%. I mean, it, it was a disaster. And there was, it seemed like we were absolutely hopeless in what we could do and how we can address that. I tell you all of that because it, it eventually, it led us to a point where we kept saying, Lord, what, are, what do you want us to do about this? There, you have something in mind. We knew in our hearts there was something in mind for that. Heather struggled with things like child-headed households. As parents were passing away and we were losing parents and grandparents could not just keep absorbing them into their homes, uh, we would find there'd be 10, 12, 15-year-olds trying to take care of little brothers and sisters, little child-headed households. Uh, and they didn't have, because they were too young, they didn't have the resources to be able to get grants from the government like, like you could if you were like a grandparent could apply for a grant and get help, like a foster type of grant. Uh, but these kids weren't old enough to do that. So we had child-headed households with no resources and, and nothing, uh, to, to, so they would resort to prostitution and things like that. Crime, they were trying to survive. And, and we kept saying, Lord, you've got to have something in mind for this. What is this all about? And, and it led us, and there's a whole long journey that I, I won't try to tell you the whole story on, but God brought us back to the States because of some family issues, because of some of the stuff that Tyler was going through, because of aging parents, and a few different things like that. And we came back to the States, and the Lord opened a door for us at this ministry called Compassion Link that, uh, we just, that Heather told you about in the video there. And what that was doing was, uh, and that was after getting a degree in community development uh, at Biola. It was one of the few places that I could get uh, what we call transformational community development. And that is to take uh, a holistic approach to community as a means of evangelizing and discipling, but also includes helping with physical needs, uh, you know, and, and the overall improvement and the betterment of a, of a whole community. And, and let me just tell you a little bit about at Compassion Link. We have uh, a very clear, very specific sort of a training system that we take people through if they want to do it. Because we believe in sustainable solutions for communities in need. And what I mean by that is if there's going to be a, a sustainable solution for uh, communities with health issues, uh, with poverty issues, with uh, uh, food supplies, you know, a lot of places they have over... Uh, you know, just continue to use the same crops over and over again until the soil is so depleted that uh, it leaves them in these, these complete uh, total food shortages and things like that. Uh, so, it, you know, uh, across the whole range of all of those sorts of things, uh, we have a thing called community health evangelism and education. And that is a holistic approach uh, to helping people, uh, first of all, know Christ as Lord and Savior, understand God's vision for their community, understand scriptural principles, and, uh, and then also begin to incorporate with that simple health and, uh, and wellness and well-being. 
Uh, you know, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I come to, uh, he said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Anybody familiar with this? Jesus said, but, same verse, uh, he doesn't even take a breath, I don't think. He said, but I have come to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. And that is God's vision for each one of us. Do you know that? God wants abundant life for you. That's what he is, is, that's what the whole design is. Abundant life. You can't have partial abundance. It doesn't happen. You can't have poverty and struggle over here in this area and abundance over here and say, oh, wow, you want a wonderful, I've got abundant life. God wants it through all of it. He wants to bring that through every part of our... doesn't mean that we're trouble-free. It means that His abundance, His Spirit, the fullness of Christ is working in every part of our lives, including our health, our finances, our family relationships, every part of our lives. Amen. That is our goal. That's what Compassion Link and our community health evangelism education training, that's what we teach and that's what we train is how to do that. Let me go to the biblical foundation of what this is all about. This is where we start at. We need to have, a, we need to have our theology right before we get anything else. Let's get that correct. Now, you know, as a missionary, I have been told, and I hear it all the time, the Great Commission. I, and if I ask you what the Great Commission is, how many of you know what that is? Could anybody quote it for me, or at least close? Can we? Well, let's, let's hear him. Come on, you guys. That's pretty close. Go into all the world. We have a big push on the go, right? We everybody go, you know. Get on a plane. Amen. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I'll be with you always. A great message. Great message. I heard that. First time we went to Africa, I told you about that. Coming out of the Sand Hills in Nebraska, got on a plane, right? A fly 24, 26 hours to get into South Africa. I figured that 24, 26 hours on an airplane, man, I was going to be transformed, right? I'm going to land on African soil. I'm going to be a missionary. I was still the same person. I was a little bit disappointed in that. I stepped out there, you know, and I, I stepped out of the plane onto the, onto the tarmac. They didn't have one of those shoot things for you, so I had... I get out there, and the, and the air smells funny, and I could tell I was in a different part of the world, and I realized I hadn't changed. That flight did not change me. I'm doing all this go part of this, and yet here I am. I'm still the same person. I began to struggle with that. All this go, go into all the world, go, 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 and you know, for years, I, I felt like we, I wasn't fulfilling the go part of this well enough. I didn't know if I was ever being a good enough missionary. I'm so thankful for Compassion Link and the community health evangelism and education training that we do because it, it opened my eyes to something. Let me take you to this. In Matthew 22, let's, let, that, by the, anybody know where that Great Commission is found? You know what the biblical reference is for that? Matthew 28. It's the last, it's the very last statement of the Gospel of Matthew. Go back. Back up just a few chapters in Matthew 22. Let me read this for you. Turn in your Bibles if you have them. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. It says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, 
This is the main top religious leader here. This expert in the law tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, anybody know? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That's everything. Heart, soul, mind, there's actually everything's included in that. Right? Every part of your life is included in one of those three. But he didn't leave it there. And this is what I love about this. Jesus didn't leave it there. This Pharisee said, Give me the, tell me what the greatest commandment is. Jesus told him. But then he gave him a little more than he was asking for. And you know that he had a problem with this. He says, and the second is like it or equal to. And the original language is when he said it is like it, it means it's equal to. In other words, the second commandment is just as important, it's just equal to, and is of the same significance as the first one, just as significant as love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. He also says, and love your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a little hard if you're on some kind of a high lofty religious perch to get down here into the trenches with your dirty neighbors. Because we know our neighbors can be messy, right? Anybody have anybody around you with a messy life? Besides me, i got a bunch of those people in my life. And God has called me to love them. God's called me to just kind of wade into the mess with them and be a part of it with them and be an encourager and help strengthen them and love them through that. And this is what, it began to change my whole thinking about the Great Commission, about all the go and make disciples and stuff like that, because I didn't really hear very much of this when I was a kid, growing up in an Assembly of God church in a little backwater town in north central Nebraska. I didn't hear much about love God and just as important, love your neighbor. And how do you begin to live that out? You know, it's one thing, I don't know about you, but I've got neighbors, you know, those people in my life. I've got people that, honestly, is it okay to tell you? I don't really love them that much. I find it difficult to love them. I've got people in my life that are just kind of annoying. And I'd really like to not spend much time with them if I didn't have to, you know? I'm the only one here like that, right? I'm sorry, this is too human. We're getting too human here, right? God has called us. He said, love me, and as a result of loving me, love your neighbors. Let that love for God flow through you to those around you. And you know, that's what this whole community health evangelism and education that we teach and train in, that's our foundation. We don't really talk nearly as much about going. It is love God, love your neighbor. And it begins to put some very practical, systematic things in place that says here are easy ways that you can love your neighbor. You saw that the health training thing that Heather was talking about in the video of teaching people, teaching these women how to be healthier as they are coming, you know, through a pregnancy. Simple things. Simple things that can be done anywhere in the world to help them be more healthy during pregnancy. Does that sound spiritual to you? Uh, to me, it does, because it's God loving these moms that are going through so much torment when in, in that particular part of the world where about uh, at least one out of three, a third of their babies don't make it through that first hour after birth. And the trauma of that, if anybody here has lost a little one like that, 
uh, it, you know, as a little stillborn, anything like that is so, so incredibly traumatic. Losing a child to me, that was, that was the hardest thing that we have ever gone through. I, I had never imagined the, the, the turmoil of losing a child. And you know, every one of those parents, even that lose these little ones like that, they are going through similar trauma. That's not the abundance that God wants in their lives. If we can help them bring healthy babies into the world, we can help them be able to resuscitate and keep those, those, uh, the air passages clear and help get those little ones uh, breathing and going within that golden minute right after they're born. That is life. That is speaking and teaching and bringing abundance into those lives. Those moms don't want to lose those little ones any more than any of us would. So this is what God is doing through this ministry, along with many other things. Let me just tell you briefly about our work in Bahamas. Okay, Bahamas is a beautiful island, right? You think about all these uh, cruise ships and these resorts and that kind of stuff. There's a lot more to it. There's a whole side of the Bahamian people that don't work in those uh, associated with the cruise lines or with the resorts and all of that that are living in some pretty, pretty poor conditions. And uh, all of that wealth that's, that happens in the resorts does not flow out into the normal neighborhoods and the, and the real people that just live there. We have churches there. We have Assembly of God churches. Heather and I were just there just a little over two weeks ago. We have Assembly of God churches on those islands. And we were sitting with people as we were talking to them and sharing and doing this training that we do. And we were sharing with these guys, uh, you know, just some of these principles. And one of the things that we talk about is recognizing lies within the roots of our own lives as well as our communities. Because if you don't know what lies people believe, you will not understand why the fruit takes place in their life, why things messed up happen in their lives, right? Fruit is healthy based on what happens at the root. Okay? Everybody track with me on that? So it's a real simple principle. We've got an illustration that we take people through. And so then we started talking about, and it, it's lies. We get lies in our life. It's one of the things that my youngest son struggled with. He, he, had, he, he struggled with these lies, and no matter what we did, we couldn't seem to turn it around, but at things like he was inferior or uh, that he was, he was ignorant or, you know, just things like he had to, he, he, the enemy had, had, had deceived him with some of these lies. And this happens in societies. It happens in the nation. This is happening in America today. I'm not going to get political on you, but there's a whole bunch of lies that are going on in this nation that are going to destroy this country. It's so destructive. And when we believe lies and we begin to absorb those into our lives and into our society, it starts producing bad fruit. Amen? This is anywhere. One of the things that happens in the Bahamas churches, because we started challenging them, we did this teaching, and so we said, I mean, can anybody identify any lies that you think are happening in your society or in your neighborhood? And this one lady, this just meek little, quiet, she kind of raised her hand like this, and she goes, um, she goes, well, we have our church, and we stay over here, and then we have this divide, and we have all the not church people, they stay over there, and we don't mess with each other. And we've had that understanding now for as long as, and she was about 70, because as long as I've been alive, that's what we have understood. We stay over here, they stay over there. Now, do you guys know what UPGs are, unreached people groups? Yeah. Usually we think of the Muslims, the Hindus, the Buddhists, and all that kind of stuff. 
there's unreached people groups right outside the front door of most of the churches in the Bahamas. Because they're not crossing that divide. They're not doing the love God, love your neighbor thing. What they're doing is love God, try to keep your church doors open, and maybe somebody will happen to drop in one day. That's not what that says. It says love God, love your neighbor. Amen? He didn't say love God, make sure your church doors are open on Sunday so you can have a nice service so that maybe if you get really lucky, somebody will come through the door. That's not the message, friends. Love God, love your neighbor. And so we began to share, began to teach some simple ways. And the problem is, it's so simple, you wouldn't believe that it actually works. But just simple ways of how do you get outside your church building and begin to get out to this neighborhood, cross that divide, and get out into your neighborhoods and start sharing the love of Christ, good health, abundant living, and all of the things that God wants for our lives, for our families, and for their families. And when all of that is brought together into one package, we're not separating it anymore. We don't separate. We say, oh, that's good works. That's compassion ministry. We don't separate any of that stuff. It's all one thing because God cares about the whole person. Yeah. And we start, uh, and we're, we're introducing, we're doing a series of trainings throughout all of the islands of the Bahamas, Turks, and Caicos. And, and it's all about moving the church away from being on this side of the divide start pushing that thing down, start breaking through that divide, and get out into the neighborhoods and start sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and abundant life with people who are hurting, with people who have had trauma in their lives, with people who are struggling with disease and poverty and lies that they have believed. This is what God is doing in Bahamas. And we're so excited to be there. We're just thrilled that God has given us this opportunity. We've, we've done this same thing and up in the Himalayas of northern... Um, uh, well, the, I'll, just, I'll just leave it that way, just in the Himalaya Mountains. And some of the places that we have been, we've been able to share these things. That's what that young couple traveled for two days to come so that they could learn about that, so that they can get some of that teaching so that they would know how to begin to change their communities in ways that would bring better health, better, uh, uh, you know, safer pregnancies and things like that. It was all the same kind of stuff. So that's what God is doing with us through Compassion Link. Heather and I are the directors of that ministry, and uh, we have a great team around us. We've got people that work with agriculture, people that just come in. We, uh, we, we, we give them the assignments of just helping develop backyard gardens, help them take uh, knowing how to do crop rotation and composting and simple things like that. And, of course, all of that is shared with the love and the message of hope and, and the truth of Scripture. Because when we shine the truth into darkness and into lies, what happens to those lies? You put the light on it, they have to dissipate, don't they? The light will always overcome, will always overpower that darkness. So that's what's happening over and over again. So we got people that are doing gardening. We got people, we got nurses that are, uh, that come and they do health assessments and health teaching and all of that, again, always coupled with God's word and the hope of abundant living that God wants for their lives. And, uh, and we can, it, you know, a lot of things. Uh, we've got uh, we have veterinarians that we work with uh, where we have a, you know, kind of a, a society where there's a lot of, you know, sheep and cattle and stuff like that uh, can help diagnose. Uh, there's always simple reasons if the animals are not doing well. There's it's parasites and stuff like that typically that uh, upsets. 
So we, we have, we have a, a numerous uh, people, not everybody that is actually in our office full time, but we've got a, a team of people that we reach out to. Uh, I've got a lot of farmer friends here in California. They are chomping at the bit to get to an agriculture project in, in uh, Abaco Island, Bahamas. Let me just uh, quickly tell you about this. On September 1st and 2nd of 2019, there was a, a hurricane went through the Bahamas. You saw this on TV. 2019, September 1st and 2nd, it was called Hurricane Dorian. And it hit, um, it hit one of the islands called Abaco. The worst, Grand Bahamas and Abaco. There's, look, there's over 700 islands in the Bahamas. But this is one of the bigger islands. And it hit it, can you imagine, sustained winds of 225, 30 miles an hour for 48 hours. 48 hours, it just kept hammering. Entire buildings, uh, uh, concrete cinder block buildings. You guys know what I mean, cinder block buildings? I'm not talking about buildings like this. I'm talking about cinder block concrete buildings on concrete foundations blown off the foundations. Every single church, every church building on Abaco Island, of which there are, I think there are 12, 12 churches blown off the foundations, ceased to exist as a result of that storm. There were pine trees. The island was beautiful before September 1st of 2019. Island had these gorgeous palm trees and, and, uh, and pine trees all over it. Today, if you go there, all of the pine trees are these little wooden sticks. They're sticking up. There's, there's no vegetation on them. It ruined all of them. Two days of that kind of, of driving storm surge uh, killed almost all of that vegetation on that island. It was just tragic. The government there has given the superintendent, who is the superintendent of the Assemblies of God, but is also the overseer of what they call the Council of Churches there, so he is the most single significant voice among the entire Christian community of the Bahamas. And he is, the, the government approached uh, this brother Patrick Paul uh, a couple of years ago and said, if you could get your church people rallied together, we would like to give you guys farmland because uh, they import. 98% of the food in Bahamas gets imported. And the people that are there can't afford the good food. You know, strawberries coming from Watsonville down here, I saw them in a store, beautiful straw, but they're a dollar a piece. People don't buy them. They can't afford beautiful fruit and vegetables and stuff like that because it's too expensive. So they eat the cheap junk that leads to heart disease and obesity and everything else, diabetes. So the government was concerned about it and said, let's get some farming going, get backyard gardens going, and then uh, uh, we'll give you land. So we'll give you 40 acres right now, get a co-op going. And, uh, and you guys can grow some food. It'll be income for your church. It'll help your communities be healthier. And so uh, Patrick Paul reached out to us, the superintendent. He said, I heard about you guys. Can you come and help me with this? So we've begun that. I've got a bunch of farmer friends down by Fresno that would love. They want to send them tractors and all kinds of stuff like that. We said, we want to see what the community will do first. We don't want to influence it with a bunch of big expensive outside gifts because we have sustainable solutions, right? If it's sustainable, that means it has to come, the answers have to come from within the community. Now, we will eventually help them with some of that stuff, but we want to see them pull together their own resources, start working together, make the commitment to it, and begin moving forward with this. So that's what's happening. We've been doing the training and uh, been coaching them along in that, but everything is all about what can happen if you will pray, you will believe, and you will work together, and then reach out and bring the rest of your community on board. And so that's what they're doing. 
And uh, we're seeing some good results, a great, great future there. We're, we're believing that the church there is going to just multiply and begin to thrive because that's what God has spoken into this prophetically in so many ways. So I tell you all of that. love to be able to tell you more stories about it, but uh, God's doing a great work. That's us, Dwight and Heather McConnell. Compassion Link, you probably never heard, heard of that. It's not the kind of a, a ministry, an Assembly of God missions ministry that you've ever heard of before. But uh, the Lord is using it in some amazing ways. We've got some really remarkable team members and uh, a great future ahead. So uh, keep praying for us. Pastor, thank you so much. We appreciate that you guys have been supporting us for these last several months. And uh, we're going to be good representatives for you out there. And if anybody wants to get out and do some of this work and you want to bring your unique skills and talents, let us know. We've got an ever-growing team. God bless you.